Welcome to episode 38 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. He's Lapore. I'm Bruno. Thank you so much for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. If you're a new listener and you enjoy the show, we would really appreciate it if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple. And if you're watching us on YouTube and you like the content, it would be a big time help if you smash the like button, subscribe to the channel and ring the notification bell. So you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. All right, everybody, as of Sunday, October 24th, the Toronto Maple Leafs did it again, suffering another embarrassing, embarrassing loss. On Saturday night to the Pittsburgh Penguins, losing seven to one. We're gonna get into that later in the podcast. <laughs> it was a brutal week for the Leafs. Three losses in three games. We're gonna go over the week that was and give you our thoughts and opinions on everything that went down with this team. But before we do that, it is time to welcome in my partner in crime, Mr. Michael Lapore. How you doing, man? Always good, Anthony Bruno. Even when the uh, Leafs play as badly as they did uh, this week, I'm happy to be here. Episode 38. And as everyone knows, I like to do a number shout out for every episode. 38 hasn't exactly been uh, of historical reference in the, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs long history. But currently, Rasmus Sandin, smooth skating, uh, silky Swede. Rocking the number 38. I remember hearing rumors that he was going to change his number. Like somebody asked him because everyone thought, yeah, it's like a total call-up number, number 38. But I guess we'll see if he makes that decision when he's more uh, secured with the team. But excited to get at it, brother. A lot of bad stuff to talk about, but that can often be more fun. So let's do it. I can't wait, Laporte. You know what? Shout out Rasmus Sandin because he's been one of the few bright spots on the team this season, in my opinion. I think he's looked really solid so far. So, uh, yeah, shout out to Rasmus Sandin. As for everybody else, we'll get into that right now. (laughs) It was a brutal week for the Toronto Mm -hmm. Maple Leafs. Just going over briefly the week that was on Monday night at home against the New York Rangers. They completely dominated them, outshot them 41-23. Austin Matthews made his return after missing the first three games of the season with a wrist injury. But, of course, the Leafs found a way to lose 2-1 in overtime. And then on Friday, at home against the San Jose Sharks, who were playing their third game in four nights, who were also playing in a back-to-back, the Leafs, meanwhile, had three days off, and the Sharks came into Toronto and beat the Leafs 5-3. And then, like I mentioned already, on Saturday night, it was an absolute shit show in Pittsburgh. The Penguins were missing Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Jeff Carter, Brian Rust, and Chris Letang, but it didn't matter because they still smashed the Leafs 7-1. to And now Toronto is sitting at 2-3-1 and on the season through six games. It's not a complete code red Armageddon situation yet, like a, a lot of Leafs Nation <laughs> believes it is, just based on what I've seen on Twitter. But nah, stay off Twitter, pretty, Bruno. It's, it, it, it's been bad so far, and there's... Definitely room for improvement across the board. But Laporte, let's start things off with the Monday night game at home against the New York Rangers. Like I said, Austin Matthews made his season debut. He had eight shots on goal, 16 shot attempts. He looked really good. And honestly, I thought the Leafs 
were going to win that game just based on how dominant they were against the yeah. Rangers. But like I said, they found a way to lose in overtime. Igor Shosturkin was ridiculous, making 40 saves in the win. So, Lepore, I'm going to throw it over to you. Give me your take on the first game of the week against the Rangers. Okay. Like, to me anyway, the first two games kind of blend together because the Leafs didn't play poorly. They played well in those games, just couldn't get the Ws. That first game, though, especially, you know, and I will even uh, bring it up when I get to the second game, even though they played well with the underlying numbers and how they control play attempts on net, they're making too many elementary mistakes. And I find a lot of uh, those mistakes are being made early. Like I kind of asked myself last night and I have to go over it. I feel like the Leafs are getting scored on first every game. Like maybe at some point we'll look that up for the season, but I feel like we're always playing from behind right off the bat. The Rangers hit a post. Then there's that turnover, like right to uh, Zabinijad who rifles it in. And even with that, like I find what's happening with this team is if you look back that turnover, it was Tavares. Like when does Tavares do that? Like bad pass gets cut in scores. Like you're down one, nothing. And now you're playing from behind. And then even the goal they got, like, like the least were able to tie it in the second. Michael Bunting, another bright spot for the season so far. It was an ugly goal. Like it, it wasn't exactly a beautiful goal. Like Riley came in, threw it on net, and Bunting kind of just got his body in the way and it went off of him. So at that point anyway, at least, it's like we're sitting back. We're heavily out shooting them, heavily out chancing them. Tied at one. And I will say, though, Campbell uh, at 1-1 early in the third, Campbell made some big saves. Like Campbell was the man to keep that game tied. And then there was that one chance where Matthews was robbed, like just absolutely robbed. Um, there was that other chance uh, in overtime he had where he just couldn't get it. Yeah, I don't uh, know how that puck didn't go. Oh, in my God. That crazy how much sequence of that? where Shesterkin comes out, Matthews gets the puck, shoots it on net. Then he gets the rebound and just like trickles wide. Like you just you couldn't even make that up. Yeah, when I when I saw that one, I kind of asked myself, like, if this was Matthew's 35th game of the season, he's, does he score? Probably. It's just like that touch and timing is that half second off, so you don't score. And then, of course, uh, the bread man, Panarin, with the rifle of the shot off the faceoff, beats Campbell. He didn't really have a chance. As you mentioned, the shots were 41-23 in favor of the Leafs. I think at one point the Leafs were out shooting them 3-1. to one. Uh, Just a circuit, man. Played incredible. He was the man. Someone said, or I saw something before the season. Someone thought he'd be a, a good bet for the Vezina, actually. You like, look back in history, there's all random Vezina winners or semi-random. And they're like, yeah, he's got potential to like have a crazy year. Oh, yeah. Shesterkin uh, so far in his young NHL career, he's been unreal. Like even yeah. looking at some of his numbers in the KHL, like this guy's the real deal. And I don't mm -hmm. think it's a stretch to say he's a top five goalie in the world right now, even oh, though he's... Uh, you know, still very young and still very early in his NHL career. He is an outstanding goalie. It is like, have they established yet, like uh, Gorgiev or Georgiev, however you want to say it? Is So he is the backup now? Because, I mean, they'll Yeah, like Shesterkin's the guy. They gave him uh, a, cr a contract extension in the offseason. Yeah, he did get the contract. He, he, yeah. He's their dude. And, yeah, I mean, you know what's funny, though? It doesn't matter which Rangers goalie is in net. It seems like every Rangers goalie, when they play the Leafs, has like a 40 or 50 save game. Remember when Gorg didn't Gorgiev have 50 saves against the Leafs? A yeah, couple huge of years game. ago, something well, outrageous the, like that. Like, and that's why I ask. I'm like, every time I see him, he's playing well too. 
So it's like, you know, what does that feel like, Rangers fans? Comment down below that whoever you put in plays well. God. But, uh, yeah, no, and to uh, to confirm what I said, yeah, at one point the shots were 29-12. Uh, it was after two. Uh, and, again, like, that's the thing where – there's positives and negatives because you can look at that positively and say, okay, we're dominating play. The shots are 29-12, but you're tied 1-1. And like, you don't want to talk about that stuff, man. When you're out shooting a team by that margin, you should be winning. Like, I, I know it's overly simplistic, but finish. And like, that, that's the most frustrating thing I think Leafs fans would agree with so far anyway this season is just the lack of finish. And we'll go over shooting numbers later, but just bad, bad all the way around when it comes to having the puck in front of them and being able to close the deal. Money puck had the Leafs, man. Like, like... <laughs> And tired of seeing this when they lose it's 70 percent for that game and like not shocking considering like how heavily they outshot them but it's like how about we win those games once in a while with that we like quote unquote deserve to but frustrating man frustrating but kind of side positive note matthews was back he did look good you say he had eight shots on goal yeah eight shots on goal and 16 shot attempts yeah so He's, he he's he was done. fantastic, and, and you know what, Lapore? Like I was sitting there watching the game, and I just had a thought. I'm like, okay, they're dominating play, dominating the shots, dominating the scoring chances and possession, and I just said to myself, I think they're gonna find a way to lose this game. Oh, of course, yeah, because we've seen this story play out so many times where the Leafs do that. The Leafs do this to a lot of teams. We talk about this at nauseum on this podcast. In the Sheldon Keefe era, this team, like 80% of the time, is out shooting, out chancing, out possessing their opponent, and they still find ways to lose. lose. And that game against the New York Rangers was a perfect example. And I understand they got goalied. Shesterkin was incredible. Like he was making some just ridiculous saves. Like it was criminal that Matthews didn't come away with at least one goal in that game based on some of the opportunities he had. But like you said, Lapore, at some point, I want to see some results. I want to see some goals. I want to stop making excuses for this team. At some point, you have to finish off plays and put the fucking puck in the net. Enough yeah. is enough. What, what I find hilarious about our beloved Toronto Maple Leafs, and maybe we should like write this down and move forward with betting with, this, with these ideas, but I feel like every time there's a game, they should win, they lose. And by should win, I mean... The Leafs had what four days off. Um, uh, it was Matthew's first game. Just like all that they're at home, you know what I mean? Like, like all like things like, yeah, like they should they should win. Like, like, let's go win. No, bet against them because like they're not gonna do it. And then again, like the next day, San Jose. It's like, okay, after what happened last night, like surely the puck's gotta go win for us tonight. It's like, no, no. Bet, bet bet against them bet against them or and again moving for pittsburgh all those guys out you mentioned oh man this lineup the the penguin the penguins are bringing forward the Leafs should annihilate no <laughs> bet against them because it's like those games they should win they just don't and for fans it sucks and like chapters chapters are written about the Leafs when it comes to that sort of thing it's it's points like that i'm like this is why the Leafs are just different <laughs> that that thing you can't explain of just yeah, you had nights off. Their team was shorthanded. Oh, no, you found a way to lose. God forbid. Oh, you shot them three to one. No, you lost. Just Toronto Maple Leafs, man. That's why we have a podcast. 
things happen with this team that you just simply cannot explain. Yeah. Like it's, it's almost like there's, I, I get they're cursed. There's some weird, crazy shit going on where just nothing ever makes sense with this team. It's like, you can explain, you know, why things happen with all the 31 other teams and come up with reasons why things aren't going their way or reasons why they're playing well with the Toronto Maple Leafs, just throw that all out the window Yeah, because there are some nights where just the most unexplainable things take place. And you just th- sit there and think that the hockey gods just don't want this team or this fan base to feel anything good ever. How much of it do you think, I think this is a whole conversation is just like, and people before everyone gets upset, like there is more pressure playing in Toronto because it's just because you can't escape it. It's harder to escape the surroundings. How much of it is that? Just like, like with media, fan pressure, like the players say they don't go on Twitter, but for sure they do. Just if this was any other team, say like, okay, any other good team, okay, two, three, and one, bad start. They got goalied, whatever. Like the, the cream will rise and they'll be fine. And, and I still do really inside me feel that way about the Leafs. But there's that little bit of worry that like that pressure is going to mount. Like that whole thing, we've been talking about how uh, Marner, how like his finishing, like it's, it's in between his ears. It's in his head. While he can't escape everyone saying that he can't score. And then th- th- that added pressure on him to score. Like when he scores a goal, man, like that weight is going to come. I, I can't imagine the, the weight that he's going to feel come off his shoulders. So like I said, like I'm usually pretty logical with this stuff, which is like, I, I just wonder with the Leafs if that, realm that realm of what they have to deal with that other teams don't is why these things sort of happen that it's just like yeah there's that little bit of pressure man that like other teams don't deal with and i'm not saying like i mean other we go to other markets there's pressure in other big markets but like toronto's and toronto's an animal i think it's definitely a big factor and i actually think it's a bigger factor than people probably think. And I don't want to make any excuses for this team, but you could even see it coming across in the all or nothing documentary. If you haven't watched it yet and you're a Leaf fan, I know you probably don't want to watch it because it's just going to piss you off even more, but I highly recommend watching it just to get a behind the scenes look of how things went down last, last season. But you could tell the pressure really does get to the players on this team. Mm. And you can tell it's just different playing in this market. But again, you know, I, I don't want to make excuses for this team because even though there is a lot of pressure and they probably face more pressure than 98% of the teams in this league, you still got to perform, especially when you have the talent that they have on this roster. You have to find ways to win games. You have to find ways to overcome adversity. Like no one wants to hear any more excuses with this team because the fans are sick of it. And if you look at some of the other players around the league, former Leafs, Freddie Anderson just chilling in Carolina, getting out of yeah. this crazy fishbowl. He is now 4-0 with a 944 save percentage in four games for the Carolina Hurricanes. Zach Hyman, Why not? Why who not? is now playing for the Edmonton Oilers. Now, I don't want to say Edmonton, you know, you can just sit back and chill and enjoy your life there. Like, that's that's a fishbowl as well, playing for the Edmonton Oilers. Not Maybe not to the same extent as it is playing for the Leafs or playing for the Montreal Canadiens, but Zach Hyman. Five goals in five games. He's loving life as well. So you have all these former Leafs 
around the league and I can maybe point out some other guys as well, but those guys stick out specifically. They're enjoying great seasons right now where the pressure is seemingly off of them to a certain degree. Whereas Mitch Marner has one point in six games has not scored since I don't even know the last time Mitch Marner has scored a goal. I'd have to go look at his game blog some point during last year's regular season, Austin Matthews, zero goals in three games. Wayne Simmons has three points in six games. Wayne Simmons, Lepore, plays nine minutes a game on the fourth line, and he has tripled the production of Mitch Marner through the first six games. A good, good start there, Bruno. That's what we love to hear. And Jason Spezza, who we oh all love in Leafs Nation, he oh leads God. the team with three goals. What a guy. So, a guy. I mean, as much as we love Jason Spezza, he should not be the team's leading goal scorer mm. at any point during the season. So, mm. yeah, man, I, I think the pressure is definitely there's, – there's a lot of pressure on this team, and especially the big guys right now, like Mitch Marner. It's like you said, once he finally scores that first goal, you would like to believe that it's going to open the floodgates and there's just going to be points that are piled on top of that because, as we know, he's been one of the best point producers in the league over the last few seasons, and to see him with one point in six games – I mean, that can't just be like a, a, a bad luck thing. Like, obviously, yeah. there's some bad luck involved there, but this has to be weighing on him for sure. Yeah, like just based on his time on ice and puck possession, like you should get numbers. And like his talent, like the talent he has is just, yeah, no, it's just not going in for him because like to use the old saying, he's gripping the stick too tight. And before every shot, he's just overthinking it. But frustrating times, man. Frustrating times. Hopefully we can uh, laugh at the slow start the Leafs had to the season a little later on. But we're stuck in the mud right now. That's for sure. And Lepore, let's talk about Austin Matthews. Because as we mentioned, he started things off with a bang. I thought he was excellent in that Rangers game. Eight shots on goal, 16 shot attempts. He has not scored a goal yet. Mm -hmm. What are your early impressions of Austin Matthews? who? Like I said, does not have a point in three games, but he does have 17 shots on goal. He's been getting opportunities. What are your thoughts on his play so far? To me, Matthews is one of those players, and there's not many of them in the National Hockey League who have a talent that is so great and so special that I don't want to say like, oh, they never play poorly, but it's not even really a talking point like Matthews, even in his worst, worst game, like the McDavid's, the Crosby's, those guys, the Ovechkin's, the McKinnon's, those guys, even in their worst game, they still stand out as elite players on the ice. Like you can see the talent. I think it's that like players are good. Players are good for different reasons. The guys who are good just because of God given freak talent like him, it's always there. So I'm not surprised that he's looked as good as he has. Am I surprised he doesn't have a goal on 17 shots at the fifth net? Yeah, that surprises me. But I'm an advanced stats geek, so it'll even out. He'll explode at some point and get to like a shooting percentage that better suits like uh, his career. But I thought he skated well. One thing I did kind of find like, and again, like I hate to make these like broad statements, but like sometimes you find, be, and then you can say this across the board about the big four, like just being a little too cute. Like just that like extra hesitation, that extra stick handle, like just shoot it. Like, you know what I mean? Or make a play. Like, you know, that's his style. Like he likes to be more of like a flashy player, but 
there were a few times and again like i think he's had a good start but a few times i was watching and thinking like chaos and just just dial in and who cares and <laughs> do what you're supposed to do don't worry about like looking cool while you score just score yeah when it comes to austin matthews i'm a hell of a lot less worried about him than mitch marner yeah because with austin matthews the goals are gonna come like you could even look at some of the underlying numbers and i'm looking at them right now on natural stat trick with matthews on the ice at five on five the leafs are out shooting their opponent and i should say not shots on goal but just pure shot attempts 61 35 sure. the shot yeah okay with shot matthews on the okay. ice at five on five scoring chances 38 to 20 like i mean the leafs mm. are a hell of a lot better with matthews on the ice than when he's not on the ice like he's gonna be fine he won the rocket richard last season he's the best five on five goal scorer in the league I know he doesn't have a point in three games, but I'm extremely confident that that is going to turn around. And you would think that that would also help Mitch Marner's point production, especially since these guys play together and he's just going to pick up points being on the ice with Austin Matthews, you know, playing over 20 minutes a night. But I, I'm definitely more concerned with Mitch Marner because of the confidence level, I think, is not where it should be. He's being a little too cute, like you said, Lapore. I think both of those guys in general are guilty of that, where there's yeah. times where they're just trying to make the incredible play. It's like they want to make the highlight reel. It's like, yeah. we get it. You guys are extremely talented, but keep things simple. Put the puck on net. Shoot the puck with some, with some confidence. Stop thinking out there. That's another thing. Sometimes they're just overthinking things. Like, just yeah. go out there and play. It's That's what I mean by that extra pass, that extra pass. Sometimes it's just like, you didn't need to do that. Like, I know it, in your mind, you kind of reacted that way, but oh, oh, that to me, those are the perfect examples of like the over the overthought process. Yeah. And you would hope that over the next week, couple of weeks, things are going to start to normalize, especially with those two players. And they're going to return to something close to their normal production. But Laporte, yeah. anything else? from this game you want to talk about or shall we move on no let's uh let's move on to uh another game that we can, i'm sure both of us can't wait to talk about it's time for a quick break for a word from manscaped which has partnered with the gluttons for punishment podcast manscaped is the best in men's below the waist grooming offering precision engineered tools for your family jewels manscaped just launched its fourth generation trimmer the lawnmower 4.0 Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you, GFP Nation. 20% off and free shipping with the code GFP20 at manscaped.com. Lapore, these products are awesome. Yeah, man. Uh, those watching on YouTube can see that the hair on the top of my head and on my face is an absolute disaster. But in the areas where Manscaped is uh, A+, Things are looking good, bud. So uh, as we've mentioned earlier, we're so happy with the products there of the highest quality. We wouldn't want to partner with a brand that we didn't have a lot of confidence in. And uh, we're honored. We're honored to be with Manscaped. Great company, great products, and we couldn't be happier. Well said, Lapore. The Lawnmower 4.0 is awesome. It's an incredible experience. If you've ever used this, I highly recommend it. They got a ton of great products on the website. So definitely be sure to check that out. 
And once again, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code GFP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code GFP20. Sounds good. So the Leafs, after this game, had three days off to rest and recuperate and think about how they couldn't score on Igor Shosturkin. While the San Jose Sharks were playing their third game in four nights, playing on a back-to-back, coming into Toronto, you thought this would be a lock. But the Leafs turned to Michael Hutchinson in net. I'm sure Leaf fans have a a lot of things to say about Michael Hutchinson, a lot of not-so-good things to say about Michael Hutchinson, but he was an absolute train wreck on Friday night. But... To be fair to Michael Hutchinson, it wasn't just him. There, there were some defensive breakdowns. I thought Matthews and Marner did not look good in this game. I thought the big boys in general did not play well in this game. And the Leafs ended up losing 5-3. to three. So, Lapore, give it to me, man. Well, tell, tell me what happened in this game. Carbon copy of the first game we spoke about. The Leafs uh, got scored on first. It was a uh, former 67 Logan Couture with a quick little wraparound goal, one nothing. Um, but it seems to be the trend this season, as you mentioned. Uh, Jason Spezza uh, ties it up. What a guy! Great effort. But he took a whack at it. I think it went off someone, came back to him. He turned, fired. Great goal. One one after a Spets goal, and then is the Hutchinson show where a soft shot from Meyer just beat him. Like it was one of those ones where it goes in and they show the replay and you're assuming slash hoping that, oh, that went off a stick or like there was legs in the way or something. No, it just beat him clean. Like unbelievable. Anyways, we'll get to that. Uh, Kasha scores on the breakaway. Quick response from the Leafs. His uh, first goal in the blue and white. Nice move. Nice backhand. Showing some speed. And I think uh, he's been like low key good. I, I think he's. Been, I've he's, liked the play of Andre Kasha so far. Yeah, he's doing what he needs to do, and he's been an effective, uh, effective piece so far. Um, in the uh, still in the second, actually, it was uh, it was Carlson, Eric Carlson, who has had a great start to the season. Hopefully, he's healthy, feeling good, seeing more of what we saw before from him. He made it three two, and I touched on it earlier how the Leafs have had some like bad luck in these these games like out chancing their opponents but at the same time making really poor mistakes and if you make poor mistakes you're going to get punished and i will say it's kind of like football you can dominate the ball dominate possession all the numbers first downs but if you turn the ball over all that goes out the window well hockey's no different so carlson's goal came off a terrible turnover and i mentioned the that in the previous game it was Tavares who gave it away and if you look at this one man it was brutal it was Matthews this time, actually, just like turned and fired it like right to the Sharks player. That was awful. Oh, my God. And like again, second game back. But Austin, come on, man. Like I'd shit on my nine year old nephew for making a mistake like that. Just fired it over right over to the Sharks player across to Carlson goal. So now we go into the uh, third period down a goal as opposed to tied after that, uh, after coming back to tie it twice. And then, of course, uh, early in the third, <laughs> the Leafs get scored on again just to make this like an uphill mountain to climb 4-2 San Jose at that point. The Leafs um, 
were able to get one back. Uh, it went off like Tavares and the shark player, like an ugly goal, but <laughs> you guys have been listening to me to Bruno and I vent about how the Leafs can't score. We'll take ones like this now. So Tavares gets that ugly one Leafs down by one. Matthews had that chance on that drop pass from JT, but was unable to finish. seems like we're saying that a lot. <laughs> Every single game. Oh my God. And uh, yeah, Sharks uh, at an empty netter. 5-3, final score. Uh, final shot count was, thir- it was... This game was a weird one because the shot count wasn't that lopsided. It was 33-31 in favor of the Leafs. But Money Puck had this one at 80%. The Leafs would win this game 80% of the time based on their possession and their attempts on that. So Crazy. another weird one, another frustrating one, like for so many ways, bad turnovers, bad goaltending, inability to finish. You're not going to win. Simple. Like you're not going to win and you don't deserve to win if those things happen. So no. Nah. Another thing another, that pissed me off in this trash. game, Lapore, was the Leafs, tying the game and then tying it at one, one, and then allowing the sharks to take a two, one lead 17 seconds after they tied it. Yeah. again. And then the sharks took, and then when it was two, two, the sharks took a three, two lead a minute and 31 seconds after the Leafs tied it. So it's yeah. like a good thing is happening. And then the Leafs immediately revert to making some stupid mistake or allowing a goal and having things swing the other way for their opponent. Like that shit has to get cleaned up across the board. And, and we talked in. about this even going back to the Rangers game. I mean, really going back to every game, are there slow starts? Like yeah. I'm sick and tired of the players and even Sheldon Keith acknowledging it after the game saying, yeah, we, we got off to a slow start. We got to come out better next time. We got to fix that. Like how many times can you tell us that this needs to be fixed and this issue needs to be addressed? At some point, we need to see some execution and we need to see that you're actually taking this seriously and coming out playing your best hockey and not getting behind the eight ball or even worse, where it's like, okay, you get behind the eight ball, you battle back and you show that fight and then you immediately yeah. throw the momentum and everything back to the other team. Yeah. So it's just, what it, we saying, it is Bruno? just beyond frustrating at this point. What were we saying? How it's different for the Leafs. It's like, Oh, the Leafs tie it. Now they get all the momentum, right? Nope. <laughs> the other team's going to, it's like things don't make sense in Leafland. And again, two, the two perfect examples were the two comebacks in the playoffs last year. Just when does that happen? That you storm back, come back, tie, tie a game to go into overtime in the playoffs and lose. And like, like, you, like you said, twice, twice in this game, Leafs are able to tie it. Let's get the momentum. We're at home. No, you let a quick goal the other way. Like, Hate to play all like coach here, but like focus guys, like dial in, like dial in. Like you'll, you'll see in soccer all the time after a big goal, you see players going like this, like use your head now, like next little while we got to use our, use our, uh, use our heads. But man, like the Leafs, obviously not so far anyway, this season. It's just so, so frustrating that the same things keep happening over and over. And speaking of the same things happening over yeah. and over, Michael Hutchinson, I knew where you were still going, Bruno. on this team. Like, Ugh. I mean, it, it just seems like he's been here forever. I know it hasn't been forever, but at some point, can the Leafs just move on from Michael Hutchinson yeah. and just try out anyone else 
as the third string goalie. And I know that there was a, a brief moment in time where Michael Hutchinson was actually on the Colorado avalanche and was actually starting playoff games for them in the bubble. And then he came back to the Leafs and he actually had a pretty decent season last year. So it appeared that he was sort of back. If you even want to call it that where his numbers yeah. were a hell of a lot better than, you know, the previous season, but then he comes out in this game and just looks like a complete disaster. Yeah. So at some point, the Leafs have got to find a way to just get better goaltending. And honestly, not just with like Jack Campbell and Peter Morazic. And listen, Campbell, for the most part, has been really good over the last couple of seasons. He had a stinker against Pittsburgh. There was a lot of shitty bounces and the team just played like crap. But for the most part, he's been solid. But just looking at like the goaltending throughout this organization, it should be better than it is. It, yeah. it really should. And, and it's just very frustrating to see them trot Michael Hutchinson out there year after year. And we all know what's going to happen. Like Lee fans essentially are going into Michael Hutchinson games, praying yeah. that he doesn't allow four goals. Yeah. It, just it's like, really gotten to that point. Don't be terrible. That's, that's the feeling we all have. And I'm sure a lot of Leafs fans feel this way when you go through something, or at least when it starts happening, there's that little bit of surprise. Okay, it's like, oh, wow, this weird thing's happening. I'm surprised. And then as, if it keeps happening, you start getting frustrated. Okay. And I'll, I'll use like the Marner example, him not being able to score, him not being able to score goals. Okay, at first you're like, huh, weird one. And then if it keeps going, you're like, hey, now this is annoying me. I'm getting frustrated. And that's what I've gone through with Hutchinson. But then that third phase you get to is like boredom. Like, like I'm just bored of this guy. I'm bored of like, oh, he's got to go in and the same conversation of like the one you mentioned, like, please, God, just don't be terrible. And people, man, like comment down below, like if you're like a goalie geek, but like I sometimes find it shocking that better goalies just aren't available. And like maybe maybe I'm completely wrong, but I, like I, I don't get it. Like I really and truly don't get it. And I'll call it the Leafs organization and say, would you develop a goalie? And, like, I'm not even saying that, like, the recent times. I'm saying, like, the last, like, 20, 30 years. Like, can we develop some goalies? Like, someone that can be called up or whatever. Or, like, someone we can, like, put some hopes on. But, like, with Hutchinson, it's just, like, I'd like to say we're done here. And I'm sure that's what Leafs fans are thinking. But we're probably not because it's going to happen again. And the same thing. We're just hoping that – he puts up like an NHL performance. And then when I say like, I'm shocked that there aren't better goalies out there, like that Meyer goal, that's a horrible goal. That's Awful. like, like clean shot beats him. Like it, an East Coast League goalie would stop that. Like a junior B goalie, I would like to think would stop that. But no, this NHL guy is getting beat because of the Leafs. You know what I mean? Just frustrating as hell, man. And like, this is the point. Like I said, I'm not even angry. I'm just bored. I'm completely bored of that conversation. Yeah, like at this point, I'd rather see them start the U of T goalie, Alex Bishop in that. <laughs> you know what's Michael funny? Hutchinson, because at least it'll lead to some more entertainment. My buddy texted me that last night or during that game, sorry. And I responded with that exact answer. At least it'd be entertaining. Like, like I'm totally like checked out of this whole Hutchinson thing. At least it, it tuned me in and I'd be like really focused on the game as opposed to watching game where I know exactly what's going to happen, that this guy's going to be bad and we're going to have to try to score ourselves out of it. But And you have to think the players go into these Hutchinson starts as well. And they're like, yeah. man, 
if we don't put minimum three to four on the board, we're probably not winning this hockey game. Yeah, man. And, and you have to think deflated. that probably weighs on them because not only do they have to be better defensively, they better show up offensively or the game is essentially over. Yeah. And it's just so frustrating. And it's like you said, Lapore, it's just fatigue at this point. It's fatigue. It's boredom. It's just get somebody else. And, and yeah. I understand Peter Morazic is injured. He's out right now. So the Leafs are forced to play Michael Hutchinson. Ideally, they would not like to play Michael Hutchinson. That's why they got Peter Morazic, but unfortunately he's injured. So mm. they, they got to find a way, like you said, just to develop better goaltending to bring in somebody else because I think Leaf fans are just completely sick of it at this point. Definitely. Lapore, shall we move on to the embarrassment of the week? Yeah, the uh, the football game the uh, the Leafs played in on Saturday night so, on Hockey Night in Canada. Oh my God! So just when you thought things couldn't get any worse, <laughs> they lose to a Zamboni oh, they driver. Did. They blow a three-one series lead in the playoffs to the arch rival Montreal Canadiens. They just lose in the first round every year, but they decided to add to the Hall of Shame on Saturday night. Because the Pittsburgh Penguins were essentially playing with an ECHL-level roster. No Sidney Crosby, no Evgeny Malkin, and no Jeff Carter. If you didn't know, those are the Pittsburgh Penguins' top three centers. <laughs> but it gets even better because Brian Rust, one of, the one of the Penguins' best wingers, was also missing in action. And on top of that, Pittsburgh's number one defenseman, Chris Letang, didn't play as well. Yeah. But it didn't matter because the Pittsburgh Penguins smashed the Toronto Maple Leafs 7-1. to one. Drew O'Connor, Marcus Pedersen, yeah. Evan Rodriguez. Those are the names of the players who were punishing the Leafs on Saturday night. Players you have probably never heard of. Players that I don't think me and Lepore have ever heard of. Somehow decided that they were going to dominate the Toronto Maple Leafs on hockey night in Canada. It was just an embarrassing loss. And I get it. There were a lot of weird bounces. The first Penguins goal goes in off someone's ass. A puck goes in off of Muzzin's skate, off of Lilligren's stick. Like there yeah. were some weird ass bounces in that game, but there's no excuse for the way the Leafs played on Saturday night. Defensive breakdowns. It looked like they weren't engaged. They didn't give a shit. They got down. There was no fight to even attempt to get back in that game. And it's just like, I, at this point, I, I don't even know what to say, Lepore. It's like we see the same story over and over again. Give me your take on the shit show that we witnessed on Saturday night in Pittsburgh. Back to the point I made before, how the Leafs never win the games that they should, quote-unquote, they, quote-unquote, should win. Of course, you knew about, like, you know, Crosby and Malkin not playing, Carter. When I got the alert, that Latang wasn't playing I was like now we're really gonna lose <laughs> like before that I was at like 90 percent at that point I hit 100 I'm like 100 percent how do we not bet everything lose. at that point I know on Pittsburgh know. to win last night but to, to your point about this game again like there was a lot of weirdness like but of course the Leafs got scored on first again and it went off O'Connor's body and then oh oh Jason Spezza tied the game oh our favorite player can you give Spezza the c yeah like no disrespect to john tavares but 
at least some games like give spets of the seat and can ever and i want i want the leafs top paid players to like literally send him checks like they yeah. should be sending him like one million dollar checks each because yeah. he's putting this team on his back and he shouldn't have to be doing that we love jason spezza that man literally deserves the world based on mm. what he's done in his career and how he's played over the last two seasons specifically and for him to be in a spot where he's the team's leading goal scorer right now, it, it's just it's just embarrassing, honestly. Yeah, they they always say that like, or they they always say like I often hear that they really do feel that one day, or a lot of people feel that one day he'll be in the organization, like he'll be upstairs. You think that's gonna happen? Yeah, I, I can definitely see that happening. I mean, yeah, like in a big role, like he's being like president one day or something, or. Yeah, like I haven't heard anything about like, you know, what he plans on doing post-career, whether that's, you know, whether he wants to be a coach or a general manager or just mm -hmm. be like an advisor in the front office. But I, I can totally see that happening, especially because his his roots are in the GTA. Right. He came back to play for the Leafs. His family's here. Like he really wanted to be a part of this organization. And if taking 750k a year to play on a fourth line role for this team doesn't show you how badly he wants to be a Maple Leaf and how badly he wants this team to succeed and how badly he wants to win something with this team, then, then I don't know what to say. But yeah, Jason Spezza, Lepore, yeah, I, I can totally see him at some point taking a job with this team. Honestly, at this point, Lepore, maybe they should try him out as like the assistant general manager because it seems like he's the only guy doing anything good on this roster outside of William Nylander. Yeah, maybe it'll help with, uh, help with some of the decisions. Uh, the next goal Pittsburgh scored. I mean, when they score this many, some things kind of lose attention. I thought this was a really bad goal on Campbell. Like Muzzin got beat, but at least he was able to keep the guy wide. And then the puck was tucked in on a wraparound. And it was just like clean. Like there wasn't, there was traffic or there's an excuse for him not to be able to get across. Like he just got beat. Yeah, that he, was bad. That was bad all around from the defense yeah. to the goaltending. That was not a good look. Yeah. What do they call that? Like an NHL 94 goal? Like you just like go around and like yeah. the goalie gets stuck the and you tuck wrap around. around. Yeah. The, yeah, the, the yeah. cheat code goal. Exactly. Yeah. But why not? We got uh, one that goes on, goes in off O'Connor. We have uh, a bad goal given up by our goalie. Why not keep it going right after that with a Zucker shot that goes off? Uh, poor Timothy Lilligren was all, that one was his stick, right? Hit his stick and went yeah. in, or yeah. And then right after his stick, and then the Muzzin one, like Muzzin wasn't having a bad enough game. Uh, the two on one, he just turns his body was in the wrong position. It goes right in off his skate, and at that point, it was just done and dusted. But oh no, wait, we're not done. Patterson with a goal from the Penguins, and again, Jake Muzzin making a bad decision, getting beat 5-1, 5-1 going into the third. I'll be honest, man. Like, I watched the uh, extended highlights today, but I was checked out of the third period. Like, I was trying, and that doesn't happen. I can't say that I do that very often with Leafs games. Like, well, I guess when was the time the Leafs lost a game by a scoreline like that? Like, we have to go way back, way it's, back. It's been so. a while since they've lost that bad. Yeah, like I, I genuinely can't remember. Um, Boyle, though, Boyle got the sixth goal. At least we can be happy about that. Good guy, uh, good guy, Brian Boyle, who everyone loves, former Leaf. And uh, Rodriguez, as you mentioned, makes it 7-1. The shots were 33-29 in favor of the Penguins. And we, always, we often say here, 
that uh, it's like a broken record how Money Puck just loves the Leafs. Their underlying numbers are so good. They outchance teams. They uh, outpossess teams. How I mentioned before, when was the last time the Leafs lost 7-1? When was the last time the Leafs on Money Puck were going to lose the game 75% of the time? I don't Gross. think it happened once last season. Oh, regular definitely season not. And playoffs combined. Definitely not. Like, but dude, 75%. And that's the thing. And like, that's where I say, like, the bullshit of like, oh, they had a lot of bad luck. Like, yeah, they did. They definitely had a lot of bad luck. Goals going in off people, this and that. But you are playing a team that was missing essentially their starting lineup. And they beat you in the underlying numbers department, 75%. Like, that's crazy. That's that, inexcusable. That, that's uh, unbelievable. And, like, you often hear, like, a player in a post-game scrum say, oh, you know, that was embarrassing. Or, like you said, like, inexcusable. We got to be better. No, no, no. This is actually, like, unacceptable. Like, like last night was one of those games where, as a fan, and – I usually don't like when fans say like, Oh, like we want to see more effort or like we need more heart and character on our team. Cause you can always just say that after a loss, but last night was a shit show. Like last night was embarrassing. And to be honest, I hope the Leafs are embarrassed because apparently they need something to rev them up. Hopefully it was a slap in the face during hockey night in Canada. Like that, that add that one to the list of the most embarrassing losses the Leafs had in the last 10 years. Yeah, it was a complete disaster on Saturday night. And I listened to Sheldon Keefe's post-game press conference. It was about seven minutes long. One of the reporters asked him, did you talk to the team after the game? And he just said, nope, I didn't say anything. Say and you know what? what? Good on Sheldon Keefe because he's probably like, fuck these guys. What, what can I say to this team? I'm, you know what? I've done enough yelling and screaming. I've dropped enough F-bombs. Everyone saw what he did on the All or Nothing documentary. This time he said, you know what? I'm not even going to say a word to this team. They don't even yeah. deserve it. I'm not yeah. even going to walk into the locker room because that was pathetic across the board. It was just, it was tough to watch. And I will say this. So Sheldon Keefe in that same press conference did admit that he actually thought the first period was solid. Like the Leafs played, you know, a decent game. They were in it. The compete level was there. Mm -hmm. And then he said, you know, some bad bounces. And next thing you know, the game got away from them. And what pissed yeah. me off the most was just the lack of fight after they went down. Like, they go down 3-1, and it happened in a hurry. And then it's 4-1. And it's just like, they just they just checked out. Yeah. They, they checked out on the road, playing in a back-to-back -back situation. But again, I don't want to make any excuses for this team. I don't want to hear any excuses from Sheldon Keefe anymore. I don't want to hear that the Leafs played well in the first period and then the, the game got away from them. When mm. you're playing a roster like that, a Penguins team missing like 90% of their top players outside of like Jake Gensel, to get that badly outplayed is just completely unacceptable and it's just flat out embarrassing. And it goes right in the hall of shame next to the David Ayers game next to, you know, every moment in that Hab series after game four. And then even, you know, losing in the first round to Boston and Columbus, it's right up there with all those moments. It was a complete shit show. And if the Leafs don't bounce back from this Lapore, like if you go, if you were on Twitter last night, Leafs off, Nation, man. 
I lost its off. fucking mind. Oh yeah, that's why I stayed off. Like, don't like I, it was a when it's that bad. I try to avoid it. Like it is getting really, really bad out there, man. specifically on Twitter. And I know not everybody is on Twitter. I get it, but man, oh man, people are pissed off. And if they don't find a way to bounce back after that performance, Lapore. I think some Leaf fans are just going to say, you know what? Fuck this. Like, I'm straight up just boycotting this team. Yeah, pe- pe- people are checking out, man. Um, yeah, the, the thing with last night's game is that, again, you have an opportunity here to snap out of it, right? Like, things are not going well for you. And you can make a decision. You can make the choice to turn things around, to get some positivity, and you don't do it. Not even, not even close. Not even close. Again, like we can't even say, oh, they got goalie. Like, no, no, no. You got thoroughly outplayed. And your point about Keith, how he just said nothing. It's like the old saying with your parents. Like, they scream at you, but it's worse when they say nothing. Because they're just disappointed. It's like, yeah, like, I hope he's treating them that way. And I, and I hope they feel that way. And I'm, I'm talking about adults for crying out loud. Like, but there's that thing in me that, like, I'll say it, man. This is like an immature, fragile group. And until they, they prove otherwise, I'm going to feel that way. Like, man up. Like, again, I, I always say I hate to be overly simplistic, but man up. Last night was an opportunity and you failed. So on to the next one. If you want to say, okay, we're going to throw it in the trash, throw it in the trash, but you better throw it in the trash. And when I say that, Leafs fans don't want to see another game like that again this season. Like this group, is far too talented, far too talented to put up efforts like that. And that makes it even worse because if they weren't talented, you just say, well, they got shit canned because they're not very good. No, guys, like we have a first team all-star on this team. We have a Marisa Rucker Richard winner on this team. JT is two years removed from 47 goals. Like Riley's in conversations for Team Canada. People, people can call me a Leafs homer, but no, these are facts. Like this team talent-wise should not put up efforts and get results like last night. And I'm the first one to say every time the Leafs lose a few games in a row or things aren't going in, it's like, ah, for better teams, things always balance out. But last night, no, last night I'll circle with a red pen. That was trash. That, that again, you hate to say, oh, I'm embarrassed to be a Leaf fan, but last night sucked for Leafs fans. That really and truly sucked for Leafs fans. And I don't want to see Wayne Simmons fight at the end of the game and I appreciated that he was showing some heart I don't want to see Jason Spezza being the guy that has to step up I want to see Matthews I want to see Marner I want to see Tavares and Nylander I want to see those guys take the bull by the horns and say no 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 no. we're not going to put up with this shit I want to see one of those guys step up and what Mm -hmm. pisses me off Lapore is that none of those guys are really vocal leaders like When you look at, let's say, the Boston Bruins, for example, if shit's going sideways, who's the guy that's going to take the bull by the horns? We all know it's Brad Marchand, right? He's that guy that's going to step up. He's going to be the emotional leader. He's one of their best players, and he's going to do whatever it takes to put an end to things that are going sideways with that hockey team. And I could bring up other examples across the league of other fiery, emotional-type players that take the bull by the horns when they know they have to do that. On this Leafs team, it just seems like none of those top guys are answering the bell right now. And again, we're six games into the season. For the most part, the Leafs have actually, like we always say, they've outshot, they've outchanced, they've outpossessed most of the teams that they have played this season. But right now, 
the production is not there. And one stat to bring up, the Leafs are dead last in the NHL right now in team shooting percentage. They are shooting 5.7% as a team. So you would think, like you said, Lapore, with all the talent on this roster, that that number would swing the other way and this team will start scoring goals. But man, oh man, to see this team 32nd in the NHL in team shooting percentage, you just shake your head. Yeah, to that, I could argue, and again, like how we're both numbers guys, oh, things will even out. But I would welcome the argument that with this talent that I listed already, the number should never be that low. Like there is something called ability to score. And right now they don't have it. So like, this is a bad one, man. And like, let's really hope, let's really hope that somebody, I say somebody, like hopefully the team can just like snap out of this. And like, and, and I'll say it, like the things I often wonder about or think about, like you mentioned Brad Marchand and like there are certain personalities in the league that I think, and like not to go all cheesy, but like, I think they're very powerful. Like I could see Brad Marchand being a very powerful personality. And what, what I mean by that, I don't mean that he's in the locker room screaming and yelling. Like if, if the Bruins yell, or if the Bruins yell, if the Bruins lose. But what I do see is a young player who's not playing well. All Brad Marchand has to do is tap him on the shoulder and give him a cold look. The kid got the message. That's it. That's it. Or even Patrice Bergeron, for that example. Here we are, here we are pumping the Bruins, Bruins fans. But like you look at like a Patrice Bergeron, I don't think he's got to scream and yell and wave his arms to get a message across. Calm guy. He gives you a look or a short sentence. If you're not dialed in at that point, nothing will dial dial in, dial you in. And we're not in the locker room. I often say we don't know these guys' personalities, but from what we've seen from a result standpoint, from a performance standpoint and how we say like, Oh, the Leafs always lose games. They're supposed to win. And this kind of all ties in together. You can't tell me that's there right now. And like, this is, that's a big conversation for the Leafs. And I'm sure it's been a big conversation for the management group, but right now I would say like, they don't have it. They, they don't have that culture and that, that terms used far too often, but you can't tell me they do. Like, you know who like, I think does have that? Lapore is Sheldon Keith. But here's the problem is that mm-hmm. it can't be coming from your head coach all the time. It's great yeah, to have a head coach that gets fired up like that, that is going to, you know, scream and yell and tell the best players when they're not playing well, call out Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews, just like we sh- saw Keith do that in, in the All or Nothing documentary. Game six against the Habs the game that Kotkaniemi scored the OT winner, he told Matthews and Marner and Hyman that their line was getting dominated. He called them out in front of the entire team. But the problem is that message can't just be coming from your head coach. And it gets tired from the coach too. Exactly, right? right? And at some point, again, I don't think like Keith is going to get fired or anything like that because I've, I've seen some wild takes on Twitter saying like, oh, this is like the Mike Babcock situation and Keith is going to be out the door soon and, Dubis is going to be following him. I don't think we've reached that point yet, but the message has to come from one of these players at some point. It can't just be Sheldon Keefe going in there, you know, rah rahing every single game and giving pregame speeches and being that, that emotional leader. It has to come from one of these big boys, specifically one of the four highest paid guys on this team, or even Morgan Riley 
for that matter. So that's what I'm not seeing. And that's, what's disappointing to me right now. And again, like Lapore said, we are not in the locker room every single day. I don't know exactly how these guys are as people off the ice and what makes them tick. And, you know, we don't get to see their full personalities. Yeah. Travis Dermott can be a psychopath for all we know. Exactly. But based on what we've seen in the games and even listening to their, I, I listen to a lot of their post game scrums, just the way that they're addressing the media and answering questions and, and if they're holding themselves accountable and their teammates accountable, you can pick up little things on who the leaders on this team are. So someone has got to step up. Yeah. Lapore, is there, is there anything else from this game that you want to get off your chest? No. Just like I said, I hope the Leafs do throw it in the trash, man. Hopefully we never have to talk about this ever again unless we look back later in the season and say that it was the slap in the face the Leafs needed to turn things around. Well said. Like, if this moment isn't going to wake this team up, you know, you you would think that blowing a 3-1 series lead in the playoffs would wake up this team and have them coming out this season just firing on all cylinders. Mitch Marner over a point a game. Austin yeah. Matthews back to his Rocket Richard form. That clearly didn't do it. But if this moment, if this game, losing 7-1 to to that Penguins team, if that doesn't do it, then I'm going to have some real, real concerns. One thing that popped in my mind and to try to put a positive on it is after what they went through losing to Montreal last year from an emotional standpoint, that stuff can be good in the way that it creates those like battle scars. So when you deal with bad situations going forward, you're uh, well-equipped to deal with them. So I just hope that this time, this group, say in previous seasons, they'd be panicking. Well, no, this, this team's been through a lot now. There's been a lot of bullshit, a lot of negativity. So hopefully they can just, and people always say the most important game is the next game. Hopefully they can actually feel that way to know that like, you know, we have to overcome things and it's happened to us before and we got to do our best not to let it happen again. And that's the thing. Th- this team, they've learned enough lessons. They've lost in seven games twice to the Boston Bruins. They lost a deciding game to the Columbus Blue Jackets in the qualifying round, a team that they should have beat. Then, of course, the 3-1 blown lead to the Habs. Like, there's been so many lessons. I am sick of this team learning more lessons. You would think at this point, they understand how to overcome these things and how to battle through adversity from game to game within certain games. And we're just not seeing it. But again, when you look at the underlying numbers, it does indicate that things aren't as bad as they seem and that things will turn around specifically from an offensive standpoint. This team is averaging two goals a game, dead last in the NHL and team shooting percentage. There's some underlying other underlying numbers you can look at, like goals above expected. You know, there's some great stats out there from Jay Fresh on Twitter, you know, even Dom LeCision and guys like that. Like they're putting out good stats that you can take a look at to show just how crazy things skew either positively or negatively early in the season for different mm-hmm. teams. And there's going to be some positive regression. There's going to be some negative regression across the NHL. What you're seeing after the first six or seven games is not necessarily how things are going to play out after 82, but there's always going to be little things that you're seeing now. 
And if they aren't addressed quickly, I imagine that those things are going to linger the rest of the season. So again, the Leafs have to go back to the drawing board here, throw that game in the trash and find a way to bounce back and be that offensive team that we know that they can be. Yeah. All right, Lapore. any, any final thoughts before we wrap up episode 38? No, all I can do is uh, hope and pray that uh, the next time we do a podcast, the best highest paid players on uh, my favorite hockey team are shooting at a better clip than 4%. So $40 million for, uh, for 4% is unacceptable. And I think they would admit that. So like you mentioned, positive regression, hopefully in a week's time, we've seen some of that. Amen. Amen, Michael Laporte. This Amen this on a Sunday. <laughs> What's that? I said Amen on a Sunday. Yes, there you go. Yeah. Th- this team has got to figure it out because, <laughs> you know, like, like we alluded to earlier in the podcast, we're reaching a point now. And I, I know Leaf fans, there, there are certain Leaf fans I know, Laporte, that have already boycotted this team. Dude, man, they're not selling out games. They're not selling out games at Scotiabank. Like, like, I'm sure there's different reasons for that. I'd, I'd like to talk to people on the inside why they think that is. But it's gone from the whole, like, you could never get a Leafs ticket to they're, like, 500 short a game and tickets are available. I know it's, it's the bullshit MLSE stuff where they don't lower ticket prices. So, I mean, game four of the season, you're sitting in the middle bowl. It still costs you hundreds of dollars, like, for a night out. But that wasn't the case before. Like, before you couldn't get your hands on a ticket, so, like, I remember the, the, uh, when Horachuk came in to coach the end of that one year, they, it was, the, they didn't sell out a game. And I think if I might be wrong, like someone, maybe, you know, Bruno or someone comment down below, I think that was like the first game they didn't sell out in like 50 or 60 years. You're right. That, that ended a very long streak. Yeah. So that, and even with Peter that, Horchak days, you, you could say like, okay, okay. Justified. It was the end of the season. They were bad at that point. They were tanking. So like, Hey, that's like, no one's going to spend the 500 bucks for a night out to watch that team. But like now, I mean, again, I'd like to people talk to people on the, on the inside. If it's a COVID thing, if they think that people still aren't comfortable, comfortable uh, going to public places with that many people, but it's not a good look, man. And people, people show their feelings with their wallets. And if Leafs fans were excited, and as we know, when Leafs fans are excited, it's hard to get a ticket. And right now, for the first time in my life, you can get a ticket. Yeah, it's just, it's not a, it's not a good look right now. Just across the organization, not selling out Scotiabank, the way they're playing, the overall sentiment of the fan base right now. It's, it's not, it's not good at the moment and they're going to have an opportunity to turn things around on Monday night Lapore, just to go over their upcoming schedule Monday night. They're in Carolina to take on Freddie Anderson and the hurricanes (laughs) on Wednesday. (laughs) Where they always play well. Yeah. Watch Freddie. Freddie Anderson is a stone lock for a 45 safe shutout against the Leafs on Monday. And then Wednesday they're in Chicago to face just an egregious Blackhawks team that has yet to win a game this season. They're getting absolutely pumped at five on five. Like yeah. they, they look awful right now. And then they close out the week on Saturday night at home against the Red Wings. Okay. So you would think the Leafs would, should be Not able to get two week, wins yeah. next week. If you're looking at Chicago and Detroit as two very winnable games, the Carolina game, that's a good team. Maybe that's a 50, 50 game, but 
they can't have another week like they just did losing all three games. No, that's when things will go. We're in semi-panic mode. That's when things will go in panic mode. If we're talking about a losing streak like that to those types of teams, no, 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 no. Things will be bad. Yeah. Let's, this let's, is let's absolute, avoid that. Yeah. Th- th- this is an absolutely massive week for the mm-hmm. Toronto Maple Leafs. Like you absolutely cannot lose two out of three this week. And you know what? Even if they lose two out of three, it's not like the season's going to be completely out of reach, but things are just going to continue to go downhill with this fan base. Yeah. If they don't turn this ship around in a hurry. Yeah, man. All right. That is going to do it for episode 38 of the gluttons for punishment podcast or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. Once again, if you are a new listener and you enjoyed the show, it would be a big time help if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple. And if you've been watching us on YouTube and you enjoyed the content, we would appreciate it so, so much if you smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, and ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. So for Michael Lapore, I'm Anthony Bruno. We'll see you next week, Leaps Nation. Until then, have a good one. Thanks, everyone. Oh,